This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, July 13, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. Reforming drug policy is a bipartisan issue, so says Bob Barr, former Republican U.S. Representative and Libertarian Party presidential candidate. He spoke at a Cato Institute Capitol Hill briefing held July 7, 2009. The full event is at Cato.org. If we were talking about a, uh, a company and you had a board of directors or a CEO of a company, a CEO of the company that went back year after year after year after year to uh, his or her board of directors and said, uh, you know, the pro- the, uh, we have as many people that are not buying our products now as before. We haven't been able to increase our bottom line. Our market share continues down. Uh, we're spending more money. Uh, but uh, keep me in office. Uh, keep uh, Vote me back in as a CEO. Give me more money. And I promise that next time I come before you, we'll show some improvement. Uh, You do that year after year after year, and sooner or later, uh, at least uh, prior to the economic and financial environment that we're dealing with, that Washington is dealing with now, uh, that CEO would have been laughed out of there. Uh, In in the real world out there, if you have a policy that costs more and more and is less and less effective, uh, changes do come. Yet, of course, here in Washington, inside the the Beltway, it's a very different world. It doesn't operate that way. But more and more, particularly in these economic times, when people are looking very hard at those appropriations and those earmarks, I think it becomes uh, much more important uh, and useful to talk about these issues, for example, in terms of the tremendous cost and the lack of effectiveness. Uh, There are indeed very pragmatic reasons to begin what Gil Kurlikowski, the new director of the uh, Office of National Drug Control Policy, is finally talking about out there, and that is to change the direction, change the perspective, beginning with the most rudimentary aspects of a policy, and that is how you talk about it. The language that you use, as we know here on the Hill, can frequently uh, dictate your chances for success way down the road. Uh, The proponents of the USA Patriot Act uh, were brilliant back in 2001 when they came up with uh, with that ridiculous acronym, uh, the Uniting and Strengthening America to Prevent Acts and so on and so forth, uh, called down to the USA Patriot Act. How could you not vote against it? Are you unpatriotic? A lot of the event chances for eventual success in a piece of legislation has to do with what you do initially to craft your legislation and even to the point of what you call it. Uh, and as uh, uh, Director Kurlikowski has indicated, uh, when you go out there and you talk, uh, you characterize something as a war, what do you do? You immediately cause people uh, to lock into their position. Uh, it's a war. Uh, We have to do battle. You have adversaries. You have enemies out there. And it's very difficult thereafter to ever move people away from uh, that that mentality, that closed mentality. Uh, It becomes a question of the art of war as opposed to the art of the possible uh, to get some things done. There may be, though, for your member, your senator, constituencies back home that really don't care what it costs or what, uh, what the practical problems are. Uh, they, uh, they, uh, they look at, uh, at questions of legislation and priorities and appropriations more on principled terms. Here again, the issue of federal drug policy raises some fundamentally important and saleable, understandable 
issues uh, based on principle, principles of federalism, uh, for example, which everybody talks about, but very few people actually practice. These are, in fact, very important uh, concrete principles that you can go to people when you look at the drug, federal drug policy appropriations and uh, legislation and authorities, talk to them in terms of principled arguments, such as issues of federalism and the proper role of government. Uh, I think it's also important when we look at this as a practical issue here uh, to realize that we're not going to change it overnight. Uh, a lot here again of your eventual chances for success for a piece of legislation, whether it's uh, changing an earmark, an appropriation, uh, fundamental uh, authorization for a federal agency or whatnot, it depends on, on how large a bite do you take. You don't want to take too large a bite, otherwise you know, the process just can't digest it. So look at it in terms of you know, what are the issues out there that have the most the, the, the strongest legs, the most currency that aren't understandable to uh, your constituencies out there. Uh, the, here again, the federal drug issue is one uh, that is relatively easy to deal with or identify if you do it right. You recognize, for example, that if you, if you go out there and you immediately, despite maybe a philosophical predisposition to say we ought to legalize a whole range of so-called mind-altering drugs, uh, the fact of the matter is that most people aren't ready to make that step, to make that move, no matter how good a job you do it at, at salesmanship. But if you go out there and you address uh, your concerns, your proposals, primarily, for example, to young people uh, who understand much more so than folks my generation uh, the issues of medicinal marijuana, uh, for example, it becomes, I think, readily apparent that that, that that is sort of a good point of the spear. That is an issue that has been out there. A number of state legislatures uh, have passed legislation in this area. Uh, it's been in the news. Young people understand it much more so than, than uh, than older people. Uh, so choose your issues wisely. Be, uh, do what Gil Kerlikowski has done. Be sensitive to the language that's used. Don't bite off too much at the beginning. Uh, prioritize your issues. And then it, it, it comes back to credibility. And here again, uh, what we're trying to do is build credibility for a federal effort. Uh, and when you, when you look back at how the Office of Nug, uh, National Drug Control Policy, the so-called drug czar's office, uh, has behaved in years past, it's very obvious that this is not uh, an office with a great deal of credibility to sell its message. And this be, use that tool to your advantage. And, and go out there and talk about the manner in which the resources, for example, of ONDCP have been misused uh, in recent years to engage in blatant political activity and violation in many people's view of the, of the Hatch Act, for example, uh, to talk about the manner in which the uh, hundreds of millions, if not, I guess, billions of dollars of federal monies have been used for the, uh, uh, the, the advertising, the anti-drug advertising message, uh, have been not just squandered and wasted, but, uh, but misused fraudulently. I mean, there have been criminal prosecutions about four or five years ago, was it, Tim, uh, with regard to, for example, uh, the ad agency Ogilvy & Mather up in, uh, up in New York uh, that had uh, engaged in fraudulent billing practices in order to inflate uh, the money that it was receiving from uh, the federal uh, anti-drug advertising media uh, campaign. Uh, so uh, here again, even if your entree isn't to present a positive reason for people to get on board and start looking at this issue and supporting some legislative and appropriations proposal, 
uh, you can go out there and you can do it uh, in terms of look at the way the current system has been abused, uh, both in terms of waste of taxpayer dollars, in terms of loss of credibility for law enforcement generally, uh, and uh, has done great injustice to the, to the notion of federalism uh, and so forth. It also, and this is particularly important uh, for our colleagues here today uh, who were over on the, uh, on the Senate side, again, it also points out the importance, and we even on the House side need to, need to be sensitive to this because it's a good argument, the importance of the federal judiciary. Uh, that questions uh, probing uh, the views of a, uh, of a judicial nominee with regard to his or her views on issues of federalism, the proper scope of federal authority uh, in the drug area and these other areas uh, is extremely important. I mean, there's only, I think, is there just uh, maybe one uh, remaining justice, uh, Clarence Thomas, who was in the, the uh, dissent on the, on the race case. Uh, I think. I mean, there's a lot of work that we have to do uh, to do uh, up there on the, you know, in the federal judiciary. Uh, and this is a very important issue that ties right in to the work that we would hope to see also on the House side with regard to reorienting uh, this entire debate to uh, bring credibility back to federal law enforcement uh, and to uh, engage in, in uh, the sort of, at least at the federal level initially, and, I, and I'm delighted that uh, both the mayor and, and Pat and, and Tim, all of them have talked about uh, the way federal resources have been misused uh, in, 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 in moving toward this, this dramatic militarization of law enforcement. Uh, there are, there's a whole, any way you look at the drug issue on any of these issues, principled or pragmatic uh, or both, uh, there are issues that I think can be taken out and highlighted and used by members of Congress and staff and senators uh, to, uh, to move this issue uh, forward. It's, it's a great issue. I think the country is ready for it. And I'm delighted that, uh, once again, Cato is really taking the lead uh, in getting this issue out there. But there are a lot of other organizations uh, that, uh, that we need to work with uh, as well. But uh, I appreciate uh, Cato taking the lead. And as always, it's, it's an honor to be part of that process. Thank you. Bob Barr is a former Republican member of the U.S. House and a former Libertarian Party presidential candidate. You can hear and watch the full event at Cato.org.